Hello. Welcome to another episode of Deep Roots Forward Thinking, the podcast series by the Young Lockwood Sour team at UBS in Houston. I am your host, Liz DeMontron, as usual. I'm very happy to be here. Today, I am joined by my teammate and good friend, Brittany Stites. Welcome to the pod, B. <laughs> Hi, Liz. Such a treat to be here I today. Know. We're so glad to finally have you in the seat, in the studio, and looking forward to hearing what you have to say. And today, we're also joined by a special guest, Deborah Fairs. Deborah joins us from the Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services Group. She's a senior strategist on that team. And I'll let her say more about her role and her group and their mission. But what I will say is Brittany and I and our team work very closely with Deborah and with her group. And, you know, as financial advisors, I think people oftentimes think that we're exclusively focused on investments and on markets. And while that's the core of what we do, there's so much around the edges that Deborah and her team, especially when it comes to you know, family advice, life planning, you know, that they help plug in. And, you know, all of that is really integral to the holistic experience of being a UBS client. So we're very grateful for Deborah and her group. So happy to have her on the podcast. So today's topic is a little heavier than we've usually discussed on the series. Today, we are discussing taking care of aging loved ones. And even though this is a heavier subject matter, it's also one that is so relevant because it affects or will be affecting all of us at some point in our lives. And it's, again, difficult to think about, but I think it's really pertinent and also very impactful. So, you know, also I want to say, I think this will be the first podcast in a series that Brittany and I do on life planning and milestones reached. So Brittany, do you want to say a little bit about yourself and maybe the series that you envision us doing together? Sure. So I'm Brittany Stites. I've been a part of the Young Lockwood Sour team for almost four years. Liz and I, we joined the same year. My focus is really on financial planning and I kind of see that lens for all my clients when we do wealth advising. And so the name of this series, which I'm not very creative, but I do think this is a good one, is going to be called the Ages and Stages series. So as we go through life, there are different milestones we hit financially and personally that are all aligned. And so we're kind of calling this the sunset stage, what happens at the at, towards the, the later part of life and what to be aware of. But we'll cover all the gamuts, sunrise, grandbabies, and marriages, and all sorts of stuff on our series. So it'll be fun. We'll it's see what's gonna be so great. We'll see what happens next. Yes, yes. It's gonna be so great. I'm looking forward to doing those with you. But in the meantime, Deborah, we want to turn the floor over to you. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about your role in your group and and the mission of the Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services Group? Absolutely. And thank you for having me here today. I feel so, so excited to be sitting alongside the two of you, at least virtually, and talking about the ages and stages of our clients and families. Our group, Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services, our team is really an extension of your team. As I said, sitting alongside you two, and the mission of our group is really to serve as this thought partner with our families, offer guidance and provide advice on topics that we believe are critical to our families flourishing for generations. 
most of the conversations, just like what you all are having with your clients, are really about the complexities of their family's wealth. That's governance, wealth transition, succession planning. We do a lot of financial education and, of course, uh, purposeful philanthropy. I like to tell people kind of in the simplest terms, we help families communicate and make decisions on topics that are important to them and help define their family culture and all the shades of gray in between. So interesting. I have a feeling that no two days of yours look the same. (laughs) Lots of different types of conversations. I guess so with that, as we kind of focus on the topic, why is this topic so top of mind for your group? And also what additional materials do our listeners have to utilize in conjunction with this podcast on this topic of taking care of aging loved ones? We are in the middle, if you haven't heard about it, we're in the middle of this $84 trillion wealth transfer. And we've heard about it for years, but we're actually deep in the middle of it. You know, By 2030, our baby boomers are going to have a considerable amount of, of the wealth And these baby boomers, they're receiving the wealth, but they're also aging. And we know our families spend a lot of time talking about financial planning and estate planning, but we help encourage that family plan. And of course, that part of that means your care plan. And so this is really about kind of family conversations. And it is, it really is a key part of of many of our wealth transitions that we talk about with families is that your values, your family culture transition, and that includes the process and the aging of the family loved ones. So I think here on our team, how this kind of starts with our clients is first a conversation with us and we kind of see where we can plug in and help and brainstorm. And then we bring in resources in the firm. So we have several white papers that address several different topics. We have this wonderful resource that uh, Deborah has shared with us called My Documents, My Life. It is very all-encompassing of information collection that could be used as in part of this wealth transition and family planning topic. And then we have several other like blogs and white papers, again, that speak to the topic. So the firm itself and our team and specifically has immense resources to meet our clients where they are. Thank you. I, I did forget to answer that question from Liz. And our group uh, supports you all in those white papers and thought leadership. And we actually have a piece that we'll be releasing soon on caring for aging loved ones. And we're also looking at discussions around cognitive decline. These are all very uh, topics that are of mind with many of our clients today. Most of these uh, legacy type of conversations, we have something in our library of resources to support and provide for our clients. Let's start off with folks who are maybe at the early stages of life planning. Maybe they're in their 50s and 60s. They have, you know, grandchildren. And there really hasn't been a catalyst. But maybe these conversations are starting to circle. You know, Deborah, what would you recommend? You know, do you think that families should wait for some sort of catalyst? Or for a client that are kind of part of this cohort, what would you recommend as the best first step to make because it's a difficult topic to broach. I would say don't wait. In fact, as we were preparing for this conversation today, I started thinking about myself and that maybe I I don't have my documents in order. So I think at every stage in life, we should have these things in order for our families and for ourselves. In your 50s and 60s, a lot of 
us in, in those age stages or have, may have adult children that they're still parenting, if you will, like college-age kids, and you're also having to look at taking care of your aged ones. So we're sort of sandwiched, right? So we need to be thinking about ourselves as well as the, the, the aging ones. But that includes essentially having your, as we mentioned earlier, your documents in order, having that checklist. You need to make sure that you have an estate plan that's written, that you've thought through these things, that you have all of those essential documents that your hopefully your estate plan attorney has set up with you, like a financial power of attorney, any sort of medical power of attorney. I think it's really eye-opening for someone in their 50s to think about if you have children, when your children turn 18, you know, I have power of attorney for my children, medical power of attorney, but then it got me thinking, who has that for me? So it reminds me that I need to make sure my things are in order. However, at the same time, I need to be thinking about my parents and how I'm going to have that conversation with them and how I'm going to initiate that conversation. Our baby boomer generations and older are really not used to having these open conversations. It really was kind of taboo. And so today it's really, it's not an off limits topic. It's really something, finances and healthcare are really something that need to be you know, on the table with your families, with a family conversation um, as soon as you can. Absolutely. Just having those I's dotted and T's crossed. Brittany, I have a kind of side technical question for you. So when we talk about legal documents that should be updated, you know, people automatically think of a will. Deborah just mentioned a few different types of powers of attorney. What do you think of as like the basic but necessary legal documents that people should have? And how often should those be updated? That's such a good question. So I think that when you're in this age of 50s and 60s, you want to take a good hard look at everything every five years. You want to make sure that the people you've named, if you have young kids, it's even more pertinent to make sure guardianship and everything is is aligned, but also your wealth changes in that time frame. So you want to make sure there's not any additional planning you need to do. You want to make sure the players that you've named in fiduciary roles, people like executors or trustees are still who you want to you want to have there. And then again, at the same time, kind of reviewing any life insurance alongside that estate plan, you know, what occurred then. But typically, you know, five years, I think as we get older or there are health concerns or there is a catalyst for things to change, it certainly could be updated on a more frequent basis. And then I, you know, just to add a point to what Deborah was saying earlier, I think the biggest thing to do in your 50s and 60s is make sure that everybody knows the players, that your spouse knows who your lawyer is, and that they have a direct line of communication. It's not someone they just see in an office one time. They could recognize them. You know, they know where to email them at least, you know, and also make sure that there's an accountant that somehow has contact information from different generations. And I think that's also an important piece of getting to know your adult parents. So as Deborah said, being the sandwich generation, who are their attorneys and CPAs and making sure at a minimum you have those names and contact information is important. You know, I think that the My Documents, My Life piece that, that Brittany, you mentioned before, I think that's a great way to aggregate all that information. But Deborah, it speaks to exactly what you were talking about before. Well, I was going to mention the same thing as My Documents, My Life, but it is a comprehensive document 
but it does make you think about your passwords to your different accounts. Who is the executor? I have a copy of my mother's will, but who is her executor? I need to go think about that. Who are the advisors? Like you all, clients need to ensure that they have their advisors down there. Y'all are the stakeholders, the, the, the estate planning attorney, the executor, their CPA, and essentially their doctors, right? And it's a dynamic document because people add doctors and change doctors and their health changes. So they things change. And so I think that is a great outline to just get really things in order and then and then have these conversations to create. really it's about we talk about a lot in my group when we talk about wealth transition but when you're talking about healthcare and medical needs it's still your care plan and it's still about communication and to be able to share that with your family and one caveat about getting your documents in order too many times we see that people put their most trust their treasures and their in these and these original documents in a safety deposit box which is a wonderful idea, and we all do that. However, should something happen to you, it may take a court order to get you to get your executor or someone in your family into the safety deposit box. So to think about when you're putting these documents in a safe place, that maybe you add someone to that account of your safety deposit box, and or you might have another place where you put these documents in your home safe, or and if there's a password that somebody knows that because it just will delay any sort of healthcare needs or other medical needs you might need that are sitting in that safety deposit box. That's great advice. Thank you. So now let's say we move chronologically to the next, call it age or life bracket. You know, folks in their 70s and 80s, where maybe there is more of a focus on planning for the last chapter of life. What should the folks in these cohorts be thinking about and what should they be doing? Well, I think, you know, we've been talking about getting your documents in order. As as you're older and, and you want to enjoy your life, but at the same time, as you're moving towards your 70s and 80s, we like to think one of the things are good to think about and start doing is kind of reducing the complexity of your life. And what does that mean? Maybe you're downsizing your home. Maybe you're decluttering so that if something should happen to you, your family's not having to go through an entire home and worry about the estate sale of everything. Maybe you've already taken care of some of that. Maybe you've, you've ensured that you maybe you don't your vacation home is going to be locked up with in, in a trust for your children. I mean, there, there are ways to redistribute these valuables, if you will, that are part of your estate plan. And in doing so, we encourage having those conversations around these things that help share and pass down your value. Yeah, I can add in too. I think that no family wealth transition probably goes as planned. And I think that you can probably sit back and say, okay, I've earned this these assets and I have a certain plan for them to go to the next generation or the generation below. But chances are that will be in flux. And I think to be flexible and kind of know that in advance is important. And I also think that as you think about those assets and when and where they go in the, the waterfall in terms of generation, I do think education and communication around those future gifts are important. And I think it's almost critical. And a lot of, and even in just my family in particular, my grandparents have lived into their nine. My grandmother is still alive. Hey, grandma, shout out to grandma, 99 years old. And she will be a hundred in December. And I think that it's important to have the, like my mom and their siblings 
know what's going on in advance. And I think that there's no too early of a time to have that happen, especially as grandkids get older and in their 20s, you know, your adult children may still feel like your children, but they're more than capable of understanding your wishes and executing them. So I believe in bring them into the tent. It's better to have those discussions now. And the other thing to think about in your 70s and 80s is that life, you know, can be fragile. And we've had, you know, sudden losses here on our as clients in the past. And the surviving spouse can sometimes feel very burdened by not understanding what was going on. And you'd be surprised who's, what surviving spouses, you know, have those types of, of traumas. They're already dealing with loss. They are dealing with the ultimate loss and grief you know, having to, you know, work on financial problems as well is overwhelming. And so that's definitely where our team comes in. We feel like we take on that part of the project, let us handle some of the financial things on your behalf, but it is a part of the overall experience when you're in that that age. I would say also just it helps initiate, it helps avoid uh, and prevent any significant conflicts that you're preparing your heirs, you're ha- in your 70s and 80s, you're having these conversations to let your children know, you know, what you and your multiple stakeholders, be your children, be your advisors, be your executors, really what your plans are. And so that those conversations can happen now and not when you've passed and then there's complexity there. I also think that it's difficult to have that conversation with your parents. If you're in your 50s, you're trying to have that conversation with the 70 and 80-year-olds. And so there are ways to kind of ask your parents, and maybe it's not all at one time, but maybe it is start talking about safety deposit box, you know, ensure they have their documents in order so that can introduce the opportunity to actually have a greater, more detailed conversation. You know, speaking of conversations, so this morning I met with a client who is a listener of the podcast and was asking about the topic for today. And, you know, when I mentioned it to her, she said, okay, I want you to ask a few questions. And and one of them was in terms of cognitive decline as a child, you know, as the next generation, you know, what is the timing and also what rights does the child have to encourage someone to you know, go into assisted living or revoke the ability to have someone drive if they're concerned. So that's something I know we didn't go over this in our prep, but I'd be curious to hear from y'all if you do have any thoughts around that, because I thought that was a really good question. Obviously, there's some legal connotations, but yeah, I'd be curious. So the first step is if you're recognizing those signs in your parents and your the two things are, are you local? Are your parents out of state? Are they across the country? What sign, what red flags are you kind of picking up on that there could be some cognitive issues we need to be aware of? The first step would always, you know, I would always recommend attend a doctor's appointment with them, you know, share the concerns and get sort of the medical side covered if you are really, you know, concerned about that. And then the the next piece would be to involve your lawyer. I mean, it would be and based on, you know, the document planning piece we've covered, you will have already had named a financial power of attorney or some sort of something that can be kicked into gear based on these things. And it could be as simple as, you know, knows who the advisors are, is just not very good with a computer, you know, those type different type forgetfulness or, you know, types of concerns. 
But it could be also extremed as they have suffered a stroke and we may not know, but we're seeing some big residual things are not feeling like they should. So it's always, and even on our side, you know, it's to notify the family and check in if we haven't heard or something's off. That's another reason why a lot of our clients have received those trusted contact forms. That is important for you to have a trusted contact named on your account for this reason. If we can't get a hold of someone, that's, you know, bringing in family and an attorney and the doctors is the most important pieces. The average age or the estimated age of the onset of dementia in the United States is around 83 years old, but your risks rise after 65. So really, when you want to have a conversation ahead of time as part of your healthcare plan, um, especially if you have um, a history of heart disease, uh, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, something in your family, then go ahead at that planning time and, and have, it's not an easy conversation to have. But it's definitely one that you should start to have, like Brittany said, with your legal counsel, with your stakeholders, to ensure that advanced healthcare directives are documented. And then, of course, like I said, that these are dynamic documents. These are my documents, my life, uh, for example, piece. You may all of a sudden be diagnosed with something. And that is, you don't want to be reactive, but many of us are. That's a time to stop to say, wait. Not only I didn't need to share these diagnosis or potential illness that I found out with my family, we need to talk about a plan and what steps could happen um, or may happen. And so it's it is definitely, again, you know, there are different signs of cognitive decline out there, as Brittany said. And with that also comes the caring for not just aged ones, but those in advanced illness. We want there's some similarities in having caretakers and then ensuring this kind of shifting a little bit back to kind of this also bleeds into the protection aspect of aged ones. So you want to make sure if someone's in their home that they're, you know, a trusted uh, support staff. You want to ensure that your loved ones have a lifeline within their community. Maybe it is some sort of technology that you as the caretaker or family member can ensure that they are, that there's a connection to the family. And I say this because this happened to me today in my community where I live. There was a, a well visit by a fire department and the police, and I wasn't sure what was going on. Came to learn that the resident had left her phone somewhere, and and her family was very concerned. And they, you know, they called for a well check. Whereas if there were some other steps involved, they may have been able to check on her um, without, you know, making it an emergency. So there's things that we want to ensure that we have. We embrace the technology and we think of ways to ensure that we can stay connected to, getting this back to cognitive decline, connected to our loved ones and ensure that they're protected. That's also, you want to protect yourself, and that's why you would par- put this as part of your care plan. I was actually just going to ask, you know, you've mentioned technology a few times. What are some specific examples or some recommendations of technology that you think families could utilize? You can also use technology. Some some individuals will be advanced enough to track their blood pressure or their their daily steps. One of the things I was thinking about today, actually, is, and actually, I'm going to do it when I, when I finish here with you all, is to ensure that you are tracking them on your phone. There's some other apps out there where you can track the movements of your loved ones. And so I can see, for example, where my kids are. That's a moment in time to maybe make sure that it's... um sharing your location with your your parents or sharing their location with you so you can check in on them. That's digitally. But also to ensure some of it's just basic. Like we want to make sure 
it's not just technology. We want to make sure that you visit your parents or their aged ones. If you're not in the same community, that there's somebody in that community that you know you can contact or who will make a regular visit. But definitely there are so many apps out there. But I know a lot of aged ones are super savvy with technology and a lot of them are resistant, correct? You too also can see who's coming to your parents' door and ensure that they're protected if your parents you know, or your aged ones know that they have you watching them as well. Totally. It's all about staying connected, coordinated, and you know, making sure our loved ones are protected. I will say that in regards to technology, we also want to ensure that our loved ones aren't falling victim to anything online manipulation or artificial intelligence. They'll get a lot of spam texts or emails. You know, I myself, we all here at UBS, you have safeguards. And when your clients call and ask for some sort of money movement, there's definitely several steps to ensure that you are talking to your client. And we want to make sure that our aged ones don't fall victim to any sort of online or technological manipulation. No, that's a really important thing to highlight. So as we start to wrap up, again, this is a topic that is very charged, but it's also very, very relevant to all of us. You know, what would each of you say addressing, you know, kind of this subject on, um, you know, wrapping up kind of the last chapters of, of life? Well, I would say kind of like, you know, if you're looking at your aging family members, kind of when you fall into that final stretch of life, and many times, you know, it can happen sooner than later, we want to make sure we finish well, respect our loved ones, ensure that you, as someone who's aging, is that you can define how you age and you can do it with dignity and that you have provided the communication, the information so that your family has you know, your guidance in mind and knowing what you want to have this sort of peaceful, you know, life final wells, to kind of finish well your life is that you're actually with dignity sharing with people, this is how I want to do it. And that we're here to help our family members leave this life as they wish. And then I think the biggest piece to the puzzle is communication on both sides, communicating to parents who are aging. If you are the generation that's aging, communicating with your next gen, I think that really is the golden ticket to having an enjoyable experience in terms of wealth transfer and planning and avoiding, you know, what surprises you can. That's great. Well, thank you all both so much for your time today. Thank you for, you know, speaking about this topic with so much grace and so much respect. And I'm hoping it'll spark a lot of conversations. I know for me personally, it will, but hopefully, you know, the listeners out there also feel compelled to begin having some dialogue. So, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in. This has been another episode of Deep Roots Forward Thinking. This podcast is presented for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. It does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any specific product or service. UBS does not provide legal or tax advice, and we would recommend listeners to obtain appropriate independent professional advice. Some of the views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Group AG or 
its affiliates. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. These services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS Group AG and is a member of FINRA and SIPC.